Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening to me. Welcome to my first episode of my new podcast called The Exiled Theologian. This is Josh Franklin broadcasting to you deep from within the belly of the unorthodox beast. In this podcast, uh, I'm going to take a look at a lot of different things, but it'll be a space to think gray about all things spiritual. There's no rules. We have permission to reimagine things, to ask weird questions, unorthodox questions, and probably come up with unorthodox answers. There'll be interviews and conversations and talks, just dissecting and analyzing ideas and difficult truths and questions that continue to haunt us. So we'll look at those from all kinds of different angles because sometimes orthodox questions require unorthodox answers. So that's what we'll be doing on this podcast. And today is episode one, and I thought I would start out looking at this idea or something called deviation, and specifically in relation relation to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of the divine, however you like to say it. So, let's get started. Episode 1, Deviation. What is what is the kingdom of, of heaven? What's it look like on earth? Have you ever asked that question or thought about that? And how do you know what it is? And if you see it, how do you how do you recognize it? I think in terms of questions, it helps me follow a line of thinking and to maybe stumble across something new or revelation of a of a different idea. And the kingdom of heaven fascinates me. And in, in the Bible, when specifically when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, or even Paul, the word kingdom, <clears throat> it means, uh, in the Greek, it means authority or territory subject to that authority. And then the word heaven in the Greek means the, uh, the seat of order of things eternal. So I like thinking about it uh, in, in those terms. It's, it's, the territory of the eternal order of things. That's interesting. <laughs> and I think Paul actually kind of gives us a basic way to look at it and recognize it. And when it's when it's manifesting, when it's when it's coming into our present reality. So he he simplifies it in, in his letter to the Romans, um, he he kind of breaks it down and unpacks it a little bit. And so in that letter he he describes it like this for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So he keeps it pretty simple and distills it down to those three different elements. So he gives us three elements. The first one being righteousness, which is a, you know, that's a pretty pretty churchy term, which I know probably triggers people or comes with some baggage. But it's actually a really beautiful word. and It's a, it's a big idea, but it, essentially it, it means the perfect goodness of God. Uh, like the rightness of God, like something that's intrinsically right. Um, it's it's the standard of God, and when we talk about standard, I always the standard of God. I always like to um, I always like to connect that to Jesus. So Jesus is the standard of God. So think of it that way. So we have righteousness, you know, the standard of God, which is Jesus. Then he says, "There's peace." You know, anytime um, there's the kingdom of heaven. So peace is. Um, you know, it's a product of that goodness. Okay, it's like an effect. It also means harmony or quietness, and and um, and in the Greek, it means to join in, which I think is interesting. So almost like 
this energy that we partner with. And in that last element, he said there's joy. And um, joy is, is kind of like a response, I think, to those other things. It, you could even argue it's the only possible response to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of the divine breaking through. But it means to, to be calm, you know, to delight, uh, to have gladness. So, um, so what Paul gives us, essentially, is he, I think he's giving us the architecture of the presence of God, or like a blueprint. And I love how he does that; it makes it pretty simple for us to to recognize. So, so essentially, then, therefore, the way we recognize the kingdom of God or the kingdom of divine of the divine manifesting is we experience these elements, right? And we, we might experience them in different ways, but we experience them. They're like effects. And and we see them, we hear them, and we even feel them. And I know feelings is, for some reason, it's a dirty word with faith right now. And I have no idea why. And maybe somebody could, could let me know at some point. But I've I've heard people saying that faith and feelings are distinctly different, and I, I kind of think that's horseshit. I I don't agree with that. I think faith and feelings are tethered together because I think we feel our way through this life, and feelings are part of what makes us human. And even even Paul the mystic, and he is mystical, but he he's the one that says in this life we see dimly, on this side of heaven. You know, that I don't remember which letter he said that in, but he says that. And it 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 paints a picture of me of of being in a dark room where I, you can't see anything and you're trying to you're trying to make your way through that through that room. You're trying to navigate the room in the darkness, in the midst of the darkness. And what's the first thing that you know you typically do when you can't see where you're at? Well you're 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 really trying to use all of your senses to feel your way through that room any way you can to make it to the other side to figure out which way is the right way and i think our feelings are actually key to us sensing when the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of the divine the kingdom of god is is at work in us or around us doing something in an idea in a moment which is important but it's how we feel and sense that the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of the divine is materializing because we feel the effects of what's happening and and i want you to hold on to that especially with with this 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 idea that the kingdom of heaven manifests in an idea and i think this has something to do in relation to orthodoxy but um, sometimes we need to be able to recognize when the kingdom of heaven isn't a part of that orthodoxy, isn't a part of that rigid, rigid belief set. And if we can't recognize it, sometimes we do that at, at the peril of harming people. So that's a, I want you to hold on to that. Being able to sense that, okay, no, God's not in this thing. God's not in this idea. And if, if God's not in that idea, in that belief, in that orthodoxy, then what are you supposed to do with it? What are we supposed to do with it? Do we move forward with it, even though it's going to harm people, even though it does not express the goodness and rightness of God, even though it does not create or catalyze harmony, which which is means that we really want to partner and join in with that, even though it does not it does not 
produce joy, calmness, delight, gladness in anyone or anybody or any or in the atmosphere or in the culture. So hold on to that because when we when we, when we actually see the effects of the kingdom of the divine materializing around us and in us or in an idea or in a moment, the question then is what do we do with that? What do we do? Because we're beginning to recognize it, right? And so once we we learn how to recognize it, we then have to decide how we're going to respond to it. That's the next thing. What do we do? How do we respond? Uh Uh-oh, here it is. The divine is here. God is at work doing something in this moment or this idea. What do we do? The Gospel of Matthew describes Jesus starting off his ministry saying interesting things. And one of the most famous phrases that he says, and I'm sure you're aware of, is he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he says that quite a bit. And that word repent, again, another one of those words that can be a trigger word or has a lot of baggage with it that I think has been misused and abused and really not really unpacked very well. But it's a really interesting word, and it and the fact that Jesus is saying that phrase over and over again, it's, it's like he's trying to elicit a response. It's like... You know the the kingdom of the divine, the territory of the eternal order of things, is here, is at hand. Respond. That's essentially what he's saying. And that word, repent, is in the Greek. It's it's called metanoia, which means um, the change the way you think, the change the way you see about everything. <clears throat> and I love that word, and I love that skill, that that practice of changing the way you think and Jesus is essentially saying change the way you think about everything and go in a different direction towards the kingdom of the divine the territory of the eternal order of things <laughs> the 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 place where i'm over move towards that because when you change the way you think you change the way you see and and when you change the way you see you change the way you respond and when we change the way we respond we actually change the way we live so so really we're kind of deviating. So this is where this this skill, this practice of deviation actually comes into being. It's called deviation. Being able to deviate when we sense that God is doing something different than what we thought. Deviation is a skill. Absolutely it's a skill. It's I would say it's kind of it's like it's the art of living in the spirit. And it's a skill we develop as we live more deeply in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit is essentially also the act of following. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're following the divine, wherever the divine may lead. Because the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as like the wind. And the wind changes direction constantly. And so this skill of deviation, this spiritual skill, I think is is paramount. We, We need it. We need to develop it. We need to recognize it. We need to have it. And it's very much an uh, an art. So the kingdom of heaven always elicits a response, I think. It's always eliciting a response. And we live in that response. You know, and that response is is typically going to be changing the way we think and deviating. But we get to decide how we're going to respond, if we're going to deviate, if we're going to change the way we think. We don't have to. We get to decide how we're going to 
respond. I, not, and some people might disagree with that. Like whenever the kingdom of heaven appears, you can't, you know, you, it, it, you're going to respond in one way. And not necessarily. I feel like God gives us a lot of freedom and permission to, to, to decide how we're going to respond. There's a couple parables in Matthew 13 where uh, I think Jesus kind of paints a picture of what this looks like to deviate and deviate on the spot. They're in the 13th chapter in the Gospel of Matthew. They're two very little parables. Uh, one of them is the parable of the hidden treasure. The other is the parable of the pearl of great value. And I love per- parables. I-, I love that Jesus talks in parables. I love that there's so many things hidden in them, whether they're long parables or short parables. They're so dynamic, and you can always pull new things out of them. It's They're amazing. And you can just really spend your entire life looking at the parables of Jesus. And if you are, you're not sure about the whole Bible, especially the Old Testament, and I get that. And I, I love the Bible. I actually like, I love every part of it. I'm totally in love with the Bible. I don't worship the Bible. I don't follow the Bible. But uh, I highly revere the Bible. I love the scriptures and the stories and the, the characters and the literature in the Bible. But if, you, if you're struggling with all that, the parables are somewhere where you can just kind of land and stay for a long time because there's so much wisdom in those parables. So there's so there's so much fresh and creative insight in those parables. I would encourage you to stay there. But so let's go to chapter 13 in the Gospel of Matthew and see what Jesus says uh, in these parables. Okay, first one, parable of the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Okay, next one, the parable of the pearl of great value. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. See, very short. Now, when you look at parables, I've felt it helpful. I've, I have found it helpful to just make observations and then let that kind of map you towards you know some sort of insight or truth or revelation. So what we see is we see one character stumbles across the kingdom of heaven right, in the field, or stumbles across the treasure in the field. The other one is actually searching for it. Okay, so one stumbles across it, the other searches for it, which tells me it doesn't matter whether you're looking for it or not. We are going to bump up against the kingdom of the divine. We're going to bump up against it in this life, which is should make you feel good, I think. That's a freeing picture, a freeing reality, I think, and it's good to know that it's you're going to stumble across it, whether you're looking for it or not. But both of the characters, they do recognize that there's some something of extreme value in what they've found or what they've bumped up against, and they respond to it. Do they not? If you notice that, they both respond in the same way. They sell everything to get it. No matter the cost that might be incurred, they move towards it. So they risk. They risk, and they're illogical in their risk. No hesitation from from either one of the characters. And one thing I noticed too in both is there's this deep willingness to partner with what they've discovered. So you hear that in there? So that the kingdom of heaven, the territory of the eternal order of things, the kingdom of the divine, you know, it's righteousness, joy and peace, goodness, a, a steady calm that we want to partner with or join with, and joy. And, and they... They both exercise faith, right? Do they not? Because they see something that they deem as valuable and they move towards it. And faith, 
just a little side note, I, I think it does take faith to grow faith. And faith is a choice. Faith is something we have to move towards. Faith is needed when we recognize that there's some mystery about something. There's not a lot of certainty or there's a little bit of uncertainty. We need faith. You know, it, it, sometimes orthodoxy gives us too much certainty. <laughs> and we, as people of faith, need to be comfortable with the fact and the reality that there is uncertainty about some of the things that we believe, some of the things that we're walking in, about how God moves and works. That's okay. We don't have to project certainty all the time. Faith does not assume certainty. Anyways, so they, they exercise faith, right? And they, they deviate towards what they have discovered. They change direction. Did you notice that? They believed that what they found was more valuable than what they had, and then they deviated. That skill, deviation. And I think until we're, we're willing to deviate, so, and this could be from what we're doing, what we believe, what we think God's doing. So until we're willing to deviate, we're going to struggle to respond and join in. So remember that. Join in and partner with what God is purposing on the earth. Deviation. It's a skill that the Holy Spirit develops in us, refines in us, and that we have to be aware of and put energy towards intentionally. So the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the divine, it always elicits a response. And we get to live in that response. And I think that response is an opportunity to deviate. And we get to decide, we get to decide and determine whether we're going to deviate or not. And sometimes that, that response, that deviation, it looks like thinking gray, which means, okay, this is different. God's doing something different in this moment or in this idea or in this belief. I'm going to let go of all my presuppositions, all my preconceived notions, just for a moment to see, to determine if God is doing something new here. Sometimes it looks like deconstructing, which I know is a word people don't like or some Christians don't like, uh, or reimagining. I say, so I, I'm going to let go of some ideas and beliefs and pull them apart to see where they come from and to figure out if some of it needs an update. That's okay. To make sure that they're your own beliefs, that our faith is our own faith and not just handed to us. We can only live on borrowed faith for so long. We can only live on borrowed beliefs for so long. And sometimes the response looks like reconstructing. So reimagining the perspective again, reimagining the moment as well. We, we get to partner with God to make new worlds, to redeem moments, to rush in the kingdom of heaven, to join in with that and to do something new in a moment or in an idea or in a belief. So there's, I think, in my opinion, God is always reconstructing, which is essentially saying God is always making something new. He's always going to make something new, and we always have an opportunity to participate with that. And that looks like deviating. So what I think we get to draw from this, the piece of wisdom, is that we get to look for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the divine, everywhere, in everyone. And we get to decide how we're going to respond to it. If we're going to deviate 
towards it or not. So I think we, we should be willing to deviate for the territory of the eternal order of things is at hand. <laughs> Let's move towards that. I'll leave you with one last quote uh, from this guy named Carlo Rivelli. And he is a Italian physicist. I've read a few of his books. He's he's a brilliant, insightful guy. He kind of blends physics with philosophy. His name's Carlo Rivelli. I highly recommend his books. But he says this, The entire evolution of science would suggest that the best grammar for thinking about the world is that of change, not of permanence, not of being, but of becoming. Which to me sounds like a task or like a charge to know that if there's going to be constant change, it's going to, it's probably going to require constant deviation in this life. And that's okay. And if I was to remix that, that quote, I would say it this way. The entire evolution of spirituality would suggest that the best grammar for thinking about God and oneself is that of change, not of permanence, not of being, but of becoming. So let's deviate, folks. Grace and peace to you. May the Holy Spirit be with you. And always think great.